It's the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Welcome to episode 20 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me are Ollie Court and Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno, uh, the three amigos back together again. And, and just before we get into the main reviews, I mean, the hottest free agent in wrestling, Pac, uh, made his triumphant return to Dragon Gate this weekend. And uh, Ollie, great seeing him back here. Yeah, it's it's really the the kick up the backside that Dragon Gate's needed for for a long time now. Um, it's been a long time since I've watched any Dragon Gate, but uh, the angle of him coming back in in a tag match, uh, pinning Shingo Takagi and kicking him out of Dragon Gate, basically, it, it's shaken a lot of things up, and it's it's a very smart move by Pack to to go back home basically and have have that as his home base. Uh, as he begins his the second part of his career basically um it it's you know it's for road less traveled and obviously we saw with all the terrible takes um from people calling it a a, a super juniors indie <laughs> and not expecting him to go back there which was you know head banging to say the least because i mean he spent the better part of 5 years there <laughs> um and was based out of there so it's it's good to see and it will be very interesting to see where he goes from here, but it's it's definitely the the boost that Dragon Gate needed. They booked a big twelve uh, man four way match um, with him in it, um, as well as Flamita and all all the usual Dragon Gate guys. Um, so that might grab some attention for them. Um, and obviously, very exciting to get sort of the original super indie British guy back on the indies. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were all speculating about where he'd end up, and we uh, it was in the Observer the other week about him not really replying to any promoters who were trying to get in contact with him, and, you know, people were speculating about him going here, there, and everywhere, but it, it seemed uh, sort of like, seemed almost set in stone that he'd go back to, um, what was his home promotion of, of Dragon Gate, Benno? Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? The Observer kind of reported it as he... he gone off the map it sounded very perry Saturn, just disappearing and just disappearing into the wilderness and maybe we'd never see him again but yeah i think that was probably the safe bet like ollie said with his history there um that he was going to end up back in dragon gate it's a, a safe pair of hands a, a good place to to start up again uh, i'm gonna have to get used to calling him pack again hate that name uh, but he, <laughs> there's, there's money in that name and there's you know there's time in that name so of course he's got to go back to that um yeah but he's someone who i think before he went to WWE, I wasn't huge. It was kind of the period where, you know, he was the hot guy on the indies. You know, your Generico's, your Steens, that 2010s onwards period was probably the point where I was paying attention the least to the indies. I was obviously aware of him. I went to the Dragon Gate UK shows and I saw him there and it was cool to see him mixing it up and, and getting that work abroad. But really, my favorite work of him was that, that last... Uh, I mean, he had great matches, obviously, on the indies, but that heel run that he had in WWE... Uh, that obviously went nowhere with the the 205 live stuff. Um, I didn't, as a baby face in WWE, limited by their system. I was never a huge fan, but that heel run where he got that character work over, where he became so comfortable on the microphone, as it looks like he's going to be taking that forward to, to Dragon Gate as well. The fact that he's put the whole package together now, they'd be able to get the all the dream matches that we're, we're hoping for, at least in in Dragon Gate at first, and then hopefully elsewhere. Um, and he's going to be able to put. He's got that character work down as well. So, yeah, he's, it's definitely exciting. And, yeah, probably a somewhat predictable first move, but 
uh, I guess it'll be be interesting to see where else he shows up. Yeah, well, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because obviously, he was before he went to WWE, he was known for all these spectacular matches, but he was never somebody who'd go, oh, yeah, he's, he does great promos and stuff. In mm. fact, it was com- the complete opposite. So, yeah, he's, you know, now he's come out of WWE and he's, he's uh, a lot better on the mic and uh, a lot better with his, his character work. So, yeah, he seems to be the full package now. And, um, Ollie, where do you think uh, we'll, we'll see him turn up in, in the UK? I mean, surely that's got to happen eventually. Yeah, obviously... Uh, re-debuting on Dragon Gate doesn't leave a lot of ammo for us to predict where he's mm. going to end up in Britain uh, because, you know, no one's really linked to Dragon Gate. Um, you know, Bring Fight back Dragon Pro- UK. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, Fight Club Pro obviously advertised to Shima and not Dragon Gate, uh, and they're using the Strong Hearts. Um, so that, that tie is severed uh, with all that's been going on in Dragon Gate. So, yeah, it's whether he <laughs> comes back to Britain at all, and I'm sure he probably will, Um is yet to be seen, but I'm just happy seeing him in Dragon Gate because it is it's such a boost for them and that that 12 man. I know it's out of our remit, but <laughs> the 12 man match that they straight away announced after he came back was definitely uh, grabbing the buzz. Um, and it's been a while since they've done one of those matches, and they're always amazing with just everyone going everywhere for 40 minutes um, and just meticulously planned out. So I think Packer's going to come across like a, a real star there. Um, and we'll see where he goes from there. But right now, I'm happy just with Dragon Gate, to be honest. I think Defiant's the most likely destination for me. I think the fact that, you know, there's still the what culture links to, to Newcastle and that part of England, mm-hmm. I could see them. I, I, I kind of see it as I think he's someone, obviously, he's gone back to Dragon Gate. So he's going to go. He seems like a wrestler who's going to go to places he wants to go to. But also, I think there's going to be a highest bidder <laughs> part of this as well, because he's going to be able to command a, a big fee. And I think. Defiance will be willing to pay it, but at the same time, yeah, I could see him. I don't see progress being a thing no. just with the WWE tie in, but I could see Rev Pro, but maybe not right away. Uh, maybe further along the line, I could see him making making some big money with one off appearances before he, he he sets up a proper home over here. But yeah, it'll uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see. Yeah, and obviously he's got, um, as we discovered in that Dan Richardson interview I did the other month, you know, he's got friends behind the scenes at Defiant, so that's certainly a, a destination for him. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and Red Pro, he, he appeared for those uh, quite a number of times. So, yeah, they definitely seem like uh, two certain destinations for him in the UK. I mean, obviously, Fight Club Pro have also got the WWE links, so it's interesting to see whether, you know, there'll be any... Uh, you know, I can't imagine there's any animosity from from him that much between working Fight Club and Progress, but you know the overlords uh, from WWE <laughs> might have a, might have a say in that. So <laughs> have to wait and see there. Uh, but moving on to uh, the biggest independent wrestling show in the universe. I mean, sorry to happen in England <laughs> for uh, for some time. Uh, happened this past Sunday as Progress drew uh, just over four thousand people to Wembley Arena in London for. Chapter 76, Hello Wembley. I mean, obviously this hasn't dropped on demand yet, but Benno, you headed down to the capital for this. And uh, what what can you tell us from some of the highlights from uh, one of the biggest shows happening in England for a number of years? Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm glad I made the trip. It was it was a good show overall. I think I I mean, Ollie mentioned it when we were doing a preview a few weeks ago about, you know, I'm I'm the same as Ollie. I, I kind of prefer my indie wrestling in a more intimate setting, and I think you sometimes lose things in the big venues. Obviously, it's an incredible achievement, but as far as atmosphere goes, and as far as yeah, just the, 
I don't know, the feel of the show. Uh, I was a little bit cautious about that, but they they dressed up uh, Wembley Arena really well. Mm. I think the they had to obviously curtain out the top section because it was you know just under five thousand rather than the the full ten thousand capacity. So that made it a little bit weird, and there were. Again, I think with a bigger arena rather than, you know, a small compact ballroom, you, rather than, you know, chants all happening at once, they seem to happen in pockets of the crowd and sometimes do get picked up, sometimes don't. So it was all a bit a bit weird being there for a, for a big indie show like that. But yeah, I think uh, Progress did, a, they put together a great show and they put together a, an incredible presentation as well. It, it felt professional. There, there were some issues with timing uh, that I'll go into in a little bit. Uh, but all in all, yeah, I think I think they definitely delivered. Uh, I thought as a as a show, I mean, we said we've said on previous shows, you know, going in had some some issues with some of the booking going in and some of the storytelling. Um, but I was always confident that the the wrestlers on the night were were always going to deliver and pretty much to a man that happened. I think my highlight of the show was probably Pete Dunn and Ilya Dragunov. Uh, Ilya, unfortunately, I think isn't that well known to Progress fans. Mm. I think we were maybe, I don't know, g- given a, a false impression by him turning up in the ballroom and turning up in Manchester where a couple of hundred people who knew who he was could get yeah. everybody else going. Whereas in Wembley, you know, talking again about the, the big arena, it felt like in the big arena, not a lot of people or, you know, a big percentage of people didn't know who he was. Uh, so it made it a little bit awkward. A lot of the the chant, you know, they were trying to get Julian Chance going. It was very much for Pete Dunne. I suppose that explains why. Well, Ilya was a, was a healer. Um, but all in all, yeah, I think uh, despite that, they put together a really good match. Probably my favorite uh, of the evening. Just lots of lots of great near falls. Lots of, again, lots of overwhelming stuff for Pete and but lots of good work from Ilya Dragunov, kind of showing who he is. Uh, again, I understand why he has to come into progress as, as a heel, I suppose. Bit of an odd role for him, but CMJ was great at ringside. Um, and yeah, I think give it give it some time, and I think the the overall progress uh, fan base will fall in love with Ilya Dragunov. So yeah, for me, that was probably the big highlight of the night. Um, I mean, a, a big disappointment for me going in. I was, you know, I had my, my misgivings about the booking. But I was very excited about the the big TLC match about Mark Andrews and and Eddie Dennis. Uh, I thought, okay, w- it's been a year of build. They didn't yeah. really want it to be a year of build, but it kind of dragged on because of injuries and because of just uh, issues outside of their control, I suppose. But I still think they did the right thing, holding off the match for this big occasion. But as we've said, going in and it being a big TLC match, that was a bit odd for a blood feud. And it turned out really odd on the night as well. I just thought that it was a bad stipulation for the feud anyway. But to compound that fact, they'd, they kind of had weird WLC style ladders, uh, like smaller ladders, but then absolutely huge ladders as mm. well. That stuff was fine. But they'd got in the, as is normal with Brit Res, they got in the worst possible tables you could get. <laughs> and it wasn't quite the flimsy tables that we've seen in Brit Res of past, but tables that just wouldn't break. I think they were... There were several points where Mark, I think Eddie Dennis was trying to put Mark Andrews to the table at least five times. I think it was about the the sixth spot throughout the match before a table broke and a wow. a match that should have been a really heated big feud where people were into the two wrestlers kind of became a bit comedy. There was a lot of cheering for the for the tables rather than you know the two men. Uh, and it just really, really distracted from the story. I, can't, I really felt for the two of them because they put in all of the work in the in the, the build-up leading into it, and they put lots of work into the match on the night, but 
yeah, I think I, I would have rather took a, a, a bloody brawl and hopefully at some point uh, progress. I'll, I'll give them another match to, to do that because, yeah, it, it was, a, for me, a, a real disappointment on the night. Well, Eddie Dennis picked up the win, didn't he? Can you see them continuing the feud now then? I, I don't. I mean, I've thought that. Well, okay, maybe you could say the heat is is done here with this, but I, I think that I think that they're owed one more big match. And when in wrestling, you have a a big feud and it's one and done. Mm. There's always juices, yeah. and they're in going to rematches. Okay, maybe it won't be quite as over uh, as the as the initial match was, but yeah, I think I don't think they'd be able to help themselves doing it. And I think with a with a second attempt, uh, and again, it wasn't the lads in the ring's fault. Uh, it was pretty much the the furniture, unfortunately, that was the problem. But I think, yeah, with a, if they give them another match at a, at a big chapter show, I think they'll deliver the the match that maybe I was expecting and hoping they do at Wembley. And uh, something that dominated progress for the past few months was the uh, the tag Thunderbastard. How did the, how did the finals of that come across live? You know what? It was really good in the building. I think. I hated the pills, and you did your very best on our last a uh, couple of shows ago, attempting to explain the uh, the booking that went into it. But forgetting all of that, once we actually got there and the match happened, I was worried about the fact that there were so many wrestlers that you're gonna ha- try and have come in into this Thunder Bastard. Was there gonna be space for people to get spots off? And genuinely, they put the match together really well. There was lots of just great flying uh, from Bandido and Flamita. Lots of great, there's good comedy in there as well from the anti-fun police as well. Um, just a really well put together match. I think they timed the eliminations really well uh, so that they, it did never fill up too much. Uh, they didn't go too far with that. Uh, and again, yeah, they, I think the I think the fact that Bandito and Flamita were in there again, although the booking made no sense for them to be in the thing considering they weren't even in the Thunder Bastard series, they really added a lot to the match. They were pretty much the stars, at least until Aussie Open got there and and got their big win, which was great to be at live, to get to see that happen. Them two have put in such great work uh, over the last year, year and a half or so uh, in British wrestling. So to get to see them have a, a big moment on this big stage was great. Um, and Gibson and Drake as well, for their part, were, were great in, in lapping up the heat that they were getting. Uh, the heat that maybe distracted a little bit. There were a couple of points where, again, problem with the big venue. Gibson's lying on the outside and people are trying to do the shoes off if you hate Gibson chant that they've seen on the TV mm. uh, while there are eliminations happening and other big spots happening. Uh, sometimes it's hard to, to corral a, a big crowd like that. But yeah, genuinely, it was a match that going in I had no expectations for, but it did turn out to, to, yeah, to be a big highlight on the night. And um, sort of like a big story coming out of this one was uh, sort of like Doug Williams. It was uh, pretty, he lost the Atlas title to Trent Seven, didn't he? And this was, uh, mm. he's got a few international bookings, but this was seemed to be his big retirement match um, on the biggest stage of them all. Yeah, it was solid. Um, it was great. Again, it's poetry, isn't it? The fact that Doug Williams has been, you know, wrestling as long as I've been paying attention to, to indie wrestling and to British wrestling. Uh, he's just... He's a legend and he's been around for, for, for the highs and the lows of, of British wrestling. So, I mean, as much as you could roll your eyes at it, it was genuinely a, a fairy tale moment. The fact that he was go, going out here on 
you know, possibly the potentially biggest stage, you know, almost 5,000 people at Wembley, considering, yeah, the, probably the much smaller audience that's dug those worked in it over the years and the, the work that he's put in, you know, being such a legend and an ever presence of British wrestling to, to get to see that and to get to see, be that, uh, that be is, is a ending moment. Um, I thought the match again itself wasn't a huge amount to, to write home about, uh, some hard hitting lariats and, and lots of big trend seven offense, Although he did fin, he did win the match with a crossbody. So yeah, if anybody uh, that that crossbody spot that he constantly misses on shows, <laughs> I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, fa- he finally hit one in the match, uh, and he actually got the pinfall. Uh, maybe a comedy moment that he didn't need in in Doug's last match, but still uh, quite funny. Um, and again, yeah, it makes sense. It's not like progress is spoiled for choice with atlas champion contenders so you know trent makes a makes a good person to go with and again it was it was great to see doug get that big send-off and the whole roster came out after the match and and kind of applauded them as well and he he got his big moments so yeah it was uh definitely worthwhile and a and a very nice thing to to have on the on the card to give a nod to to brit res past yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that because, uh, you know, with him and Johnny Storm, Jody Flies, they kind of been the ambassadors for British wrestling when it wasn't so hot. Obviously, Doug uh, appearing in, in Noah and uh, mm. obviously TNA and, and a variety of other promotions. And he's always um, had solid matches and always been a, a great ambassador for British wrestling. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this. Um, and it's nice to see that they gave him a, a good send off at the end. So I'm looking forward to seeing that part. I mean, Ollie, just to bring you in here. I mean, um, are you sort of like a bit too young to remember? Uh, the glory days of Doug Williams. Uh, well, I watched him on TNA um, when that was airing. I, I don't even remember what channel it was on, but you know, it aired on like Saturday afternoon, and he yeah. was part of that um, for a good while. And obviously, British Invasion and all that. So that's like my first memories of him. Um, and yeah, like I haven't really seen too much of him, sort of in the bridging point between sort of that and now <laughs> when he's had sort of this one last hurrah run and it would have actually been nice to sort of see that run maybe a little bit earlier when maybe he was still more relevant like i know people have been booking him because he said oh i'm retiring or whatever let's let's do it do an angle and stuff and obviously the progress boys like him um but yeah like his matches have certainly been interesting here. Yeah, I think the best match he's had in this run was actually in a wxw against white muller which was a very you know sort of passing the torch passing the torch style matchup that they were mm-hmm. trying to do and like them doing the segment where he literally said like <laughs> go on the white carry carry this style forward into the future which was nice and obviously this this angle that they've done with Trent uh they built well with a good uh promo with Trent trying to put him on ice so yeah this is definitely one of the more interesting matches they built to even just as like a nice little add-on to the show certainly not one of the bigger matches on the show, but um, one of those ones that makes sense. And also Trent Seven becoming the new champ, I think is a pretty good idea. Like yeah. it's been a long time since he's just yeah. had some strong singles matches away from, you know, British strong style bullshit, either baby face or heel. So <laughs> I remember when he actually first came into progress and was having sort of mini bangers <laughs> when he wasn't really much of a character and then once he became more of the the defined british strong style character sort of everything he did was marred by that and he wasn't really allowed to to go all out so it'd be, it'd be nice to see him do some some proper like 15 minute you know get all your stuff in mm. <laughs> don't worry about a story so much stuff with trent seven because he's certainly capable of it 
And um, obviously the big main event for this one was uh, for the Progress uh, World Championship. Um, a few sort of like changes along the way, but it was Tyler Bate against Walter. Um, how was that one, Benno? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, it was Progress or a promotion that you, you trust to finish at the time they say they're going to finish. They said that they were going to be done by later 8.30, which kind of put in my head, well, they'll probably finish earlier, but if they do finish at 8.30, I'll still be able to get the train back home. I'd, I'd made the trip very last minute, got the ticket very last last minute as well uh, from a, a friend of ours, Phil Mansell, managed to get me a cheaper ticket, so that was great. But yeah, the, the problem was, yeah, my last train was at 20 past nine and lots of uh, other people from the north uh, were leaving the building just mm. as the TLC match was ending because that thing was pretty much wrapping up at half eight. Um, so we hadn't even got to the intro videos, unfortunately, for Walter and Tyler and a lot of the people in the venue had to leave. It's it's something the Progress do a really, really good job of, of managing. I can't think of the last Progress show, maybe aside from uh, where they were in Brixton, where it went a little bit late. But this, yeah, just went really late. There were, I mean, there were a lot of video recaps throughout the night. Uh, Travis Banks did a, an in-ring interview segment that just really wasn't necessary. It didn't lead anywhere. It was just a bit of a heel promo where it felt like he maybe had a couple of beers throughout the day. It was just a really random segment. There was a long intermission. No real excuse for it, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, a bit sad. It was... Walter Tyler was described to me as possibly one of the best progress matches ever. Uh, so that just makes it hurt even more <laughs> that, I, that I had to leave before it went. Uh, the progress have said they're going to be putting the match up for free on YouTube because they're very aware of uh, the fact that many people had to leave. I mean, I've seen Americans comment on it and kind of say, well, it's the it's the big show of the year. So surely they have license to go later. And I, I get that thinking. But yeah, unfortunately, in Britain, our, uh, our public services, our rail isn't the best. So progress do purposely time their, their Sunday shows to be in the afternoon mm-hmm. so that people can travel in from all over the UK. Um, but this one just yeah, went a bit too long with the with the big, big occasion. So. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. So that that TLC match was pretty much my main event, or maybe the uh, the Paul Robinson uh, Jimmy Havoc match I can treat as my main event because I really enjoyed that as far as uh, as death matches go. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, didn't get to see Walter and Tyler. But I've heard uh, nothing but great things. Yeah, I mean, going back to that Havoc uh, Robinson match, uh, didn't Havoc come out uh, covering sort of like talcum powder sort of thing? He did, yeah. He was kind of like all covered in. He always, when he's got a big death match, he'll wear white gear, but he kind of went one step for, for forward with that wearing, yeah. Pretty much covered in in white paint. Um, yeah, no, it is worth noting that match though, yeah, because it was. I, I had mixed reviews on it because I don't think that style of match is for everybody, but going in, I expected the death match and they delivered the death match. And maybe I was just so happy to see Paul Robinson back in progress because, my God, is that man so hateable? Mm. Just his crowd work calling people all kinds in the front row and back and even at the end of the match after they'd had this horrible death match where they're both covered in blood and he, he's got cuts all over and he's trying to walk out and people are trying to give him like a, a sympathy applause and he's still shouting abuse at the fans <laughs> i love paul robinson so yeah i was glad to get to to at least see that one if i uh, if i didn't get to see the main event so you've talked us through some of the highlights there. And um, so as a whole, I mean, obviously you missed off the main event. And, you know, at Soft Progress for putting that up for free, you know, they didn't have to. They could have just weathered the storm and, and carried on. But, you know, at Soft to them for putting it up for free, a uh, pretty classy move. Um, so as a whole, how would you recommend the show um, as a whole for the for the bits you saw? 
I think everyone should see it. I think it's again, like you said, maybe not the biggest uh, show in Britain. Scotland have uh, have got that claim. ICW did uh, was it six thousand for a fear and lower than nine? That's yeah, a couple of years ago, uh, wasn't it? A couple yeah. of years ago, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did have Kurt Angle on that show, so that does change things a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it being such a historic show, people should check it out just for Ilya Pete Dunn. Definitely, you want to see that. The TLC match, maybe for some of the wrong reasons. Um, I want to check it out because I want to see Walter and Tyler Bates. That's really good stuff. Um, yeah, it's a very long show, as you can probably guess uh, from the fact that they ran over. I think we're talking, I think it was about 3.30 in the afternoon, the pre-show Battle Royal started. Uh, that thing had RJ Singh in there as a surprise and Madman Manson. Um, but then they made it, yeah, I think the main event didn't finish till about quarter past nine, so unless they cut some things out on the VOD, that's going to be a very, very long watch for people to get through, but I would say a worthwhile watch. Not everything worked. Uh, The women's match was not very good in the first half. That whole division's a bit of a a mess as far as booking goes. They turned Laura DiMatteo again and put her back with Ginny, uh, which doesn't really make sense from a story point of view, but she was such a horrible babyface in progress. I kind of understand it. Um, so yeah, that didn't that didn't hit, and a couple of the other things I mentioned earlier didn't exactly hit. But enough good stuff there. And again, I've heard so many good things about that main event that yeah, I do think everyone should see it. And I think the I think progress will be as well as doing it as a make good for for people like me. Uh, they're probably expecting a similar reaction to what OTT did, putting that big uh, Walter Jordan Devlin match for free on YouTube. I think if it's as, as good as people are saying, and I believe it is, uh, I think that, that thing is going to travel around. And yeah, it's kind of cool that everyone's going to be able to see it if uh, even me and the, the rest of the Northerners didn't uh, get to see it live. And uh, Progress's next show will be the Halloween-themed show, Pumpkin Spice Progress, on the 28th of October at their usual home of the Electric Ballroom in Camden. And they've already announced Zack Sabre Jr. against Walter for the Progress title. And um, I mean, coming out of Wembley here, uh, what sort of future matchups can you see um, here, Ollie? I mean, any stories that really jump out looking through the results of this Wembley show? Mm. Well, obviously, this was kind of what they've been building to for a long time, and everything was kind of getting blown off here so not really i guess is the answer <laughs> uh this wasn't really a, a, a please come back show more like a you know thank you for watching show kind mm. of thing mm. um and yeah obviously the whole tag team scene was building up to this point so that's really got nothing going forward but aussie open as champions that's obviously uh, a, a positive move for them and they can have some really good matches there as i said the trent seven atlas run has potential if they don't mire it in <laughs> if they just let trent seven go out and do trent seven things as he was doing in 2016 um that'd be really fun to see um as berno said the women's division um you know <laughs> they've, they've set up jordan grace as a, a future challenger but that's not really something they can go with every chapter um so yeah i think <laughs> apparently halloween is the time to start setting up stories again and they've got walter versus zsj for that uh which should be interesting but i have kind of seen it a million times before so um i'm almost kind of glad that walter tyler bait was the, the main event in the end even if it had no real build um I, ironically i think they're actually probably going to save that match and do that again down the line in sort of a, a bigger circumstance. Um, even though this was their biggest show yet, they can build to that match as a, a much more important match, I guess. Whereas this just felt like, you know, these are our two best wrestlers. They can go out and do a mm. wrestle. Um, they can build up Tyler Bate much more more strongly with a with a more confirmed plan into the winter. 
Yeah, I think that too about Tyler. I think this definitely wasn't his moment. I was kind of glad as no, I was, yeah, I'm as glad I was traveling time, back. Definitely. Yeah, traveling back on the tube, checking my phone. I was and getting on the train. I was very glad to see that he didn't win the belt because I thought, yeah, I did think that was a possibility. And yeah, there's so much more mileage there, isn't there? And the it would have been very British strong style wins, lol. WWE yeah. wins long. <laughs> so yeah Walt, Walt has a lot more mileage as champion and Bate has a lot more mileage as challenger so I'd see even going back to that at some point for sure and uh, any last thoughts on progress before we uh, move on to something else Benno uh, not really no I mean I just think uh, they're the promotion who it was kind of being there live and being at this big show I mean it was only you know a, a bit over a year ago I would have said they're my favorite promotion in Brit Res I like the the presentation of progress the use of the music venues that was a big thing missing actually from Wembley the fact that no one could recognize any of the themes <laughs> uh, but yeah the, the use of music venues the use of I don't know the way the promotion is stylized the way the attempt to do you know long-term stories rather than being another dream match promotion that really should be that's that's wrestling for me that's what that's kind of what i'm into and yet over this last year or two years really the booking has just been so all over the place that yeah i, I, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't go as far as to say that the best british promotion anymore um it's all a matter of how much uh, this the wwe uk thing it's hard to talk about progress without talking about it because it does feel like the the eyes of the promoters are a little bit off the ball with progress, and maybe that's part of why some of the the stories haven't haven't landed as well. Um, but there's, I mean, there's reason for hope. I do think that that TL the TLC match wasn't great with Haskins, uh, sorry, with with Andrews and Dennis, but the story itself was really well told. Uh, Ilya Dragunov is in progress now. Hopefully, going forward, uh, CMJ being his mouthpiece going forward could bring really good things, and they've. The fact that they've got Walter as champion as well is a positive. Um, there's lots of things to fix, though. Like I say, the, the women's division is an, is an absolute mess. I don't know what's going on there. It feels like everyone in the division is in Ginny's stable now. Uh, the Atlas division, I don't see where you go with, with Trent Seven. Uh, I mean, again, I, I probably would have done that myself, but who are his challengers? I'm not so sure. But, you know, they, they've got shows coming up where they're bringing in LAX. It's good that they use from Lisa and Bandido, even though the circumstances weren't ideal on this show. I'd like to see a lot a bit more fresh blood like that used by Progress to, to shake things up because I do think they need it. And yeah, maybe we could have a, a few fun months leading into, you know, mm-hmm. usually a, a fun period for Progress. The unboxing show is always fun and that's going to be coming up in a couple of months uh, without, as we always say, that that big tentpole show to go towards. You'll usually get a run of fun shows from Progress. So let's uh, let's hope that we uh, we do get that. I think, um, just to add one more thing, the thing we need to <laughs> consider is how often are the WWE email accounts going to be opened and how often is the Progress email account going to be opened <laughs> for, mm. for JJG. I think that'll be um, something to watch <laughs> going forward because obviously um, they have new jobs. <laughs> and yeah, it, it will certainly change Progress. I mean, progress has changed hugely in the last couple of years, as you say, mostly for the worse, <laughs> unfortunately. And this will it will go through another change again in the coming months, depending on what the hell is going on with WWE UK, whether that is even still a thing anymore, because <laughs> the tapings happened like two months ago and haven't seen the light of day. Um, it's, well, they're still uh, doing the tour, been... aren't they? I think they've got a date coming yeah. up in the next couple of weeks, yeah. 
but everything's just been up in the air for so long that it's you know <laughs> it, it's all very much on ice until it isn't it's it's a weird time that we're going through that there will be changes and we'll see what happens yeah, certainly an interesting time, and it'll certainly be interesting uh, to see what progress do next. And uh, and moving away from uh, from the UK scene, and uh, on the last episode, Mark Buckledy provided us a report from the Spanish promotion White Wolf Wrestling, and one of the stars of that promotion is Carlos Romo, formerly Adam Chase, and he's been having great matches not only in Spain but over in the UK and in Ireland, um, mainly with his tag team partner A Kid. He's appeared for a number of promotions such as. OTT, Red Pro, Fight Club Pro, and um, I caught up with him earlier this week to chat the scene in Spain and his uh, background in wrestling. We're back on the show with the artist formerly known as Adam Chase, Carlos Romo. Thanks for joining us this week. That's me. Thank you for having me. And before we get into the interview, you had a, it was a massive weekend of wrestling in the UK and Ireland. Fight Club Pro running back-to-back shows, Progress running Wembley, and OTT holding their fan appreciation event. And you and your White Wolf tag team partner, A-Kid, faced off against the Kings of the North at OTT. How was the match? And this is your third time in OTT, isn't it? Yes, sir. Like, it, it's been a crazy weekend. Like, it's unbelievable the amount of crazy good shows and like stuck cards that can happen in just one weekend like the fact that progress were running Wembley and OTT were running fine appreciation with those lineups on the same day is unbelievable <laughs> at least to like a Spanish wrestler and a Spanish fan too but yeah like OTT was really really good fun as always like I didn't expect to be able to go back to the Tivoli but like they did fine appreciation at the Tivoli so it was great to be there once again and yeah, the Kings of the North are, are great. Like, I'm just sad we didn't bring those tag titles home. I made it to the Fight Club shows, and those were killer. And from like what I've seen from the Progress shows, like clips, it looked great, and I'm happy for everyone. Like, it's, I tweeted about that yesterday. Like, obviously I've, I was part of OTT and I wasn't part of the Progress show, but like a show with like more than four thousand people in attendance has to be good for everyone, whether you're part or not. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, as well as um, that, the other week you had a training seminar with NXT coach Robbie Brookside as part of WXW. I mean, how was that for you? Yeah, that was that was amazing. It was great to, like, had the invitation. So it was uh, close to a quick seminar, let's say. So we spent, Aiken and I spent a week training with WXW uh, this year. And apparently they liked us, or at least, like, they trusted us enough to invite us to that session. And yeah, it was it was great. Like just the fact, like hearing Robbie talking about, like just sharing the knowledge he has, and like getting the ring with him, getting to lock up with him, like work a bit, and, and listen to like, you know, those little details that make a difference. Mm. It, it was it was amazing. It was very good, good fun. Yeah, can you imagine? Because obviously he's um, a legend on the British wrestling scene, and obviously you know he's uh, training now in NXT. So I imagine that was a, a very good seminar with him. But um, I mean, we're talking about the uh, recent past. Let's rewind back to the start of your wrestling career. I mean, for those that don't know you, you're from Spain, um, and this is a country not really known in the recent past for its wrestling scene. I mean, obvious question, but um, where did you go to train in? Where you're from in Spain? Well, I trained in Madrid. White Wolf had like its own school, right? So I started training at White Wolf Wrestling. It was run by someone that's not running it anymore. It's, it's, it was called like Lucas Scott. So that was the guy running the the school 
at the point where I started training, there were some other people like like experienced wrestlers giving lessons, but that was him running the sessions. And yeah, it was like, so at the beginning, like the first, let's say, two years of my career, I think, yeah, like a year and a half, something like that, I only trained in Madrid. Mm-hmm. The first time I went to the UK to train was, I think, 2016, yeah, summer 2016. I started training September 2014. So, yeah, I was like almost two years in when I first came to the UK. It was like a totally different experience, like a totally different world. Well, can you imagine? So, how did, I mean, obviously growing up in Spain, how did you originally find out about White Wolf Wrestling and, and you could go and train there to be a wrestler? Well, it's funny because, like, I've always been a big music fan. And I met a guy in a concert, like, just by coincidence. And yeah. we happened to exchange Facebook accounts. If that happened today, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but it was, like, super young. And it was like, yeah, let's be friends. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> so we exchanged Facebook accounts and we, like, kept on talking from time to time. And then, like, one day he uploaded pictures of him wrestling. I was like, was wrestling in Madrid? <laughs> I, I didn't know. I, I literally had no clue. Because, like, at the point, I I wasn't, like, into, super into independent wrestling. Yeah. Like, n- not because I didn't like it. It's because I had no way to find out about it. I didn't have any friends that liked in, like wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, knew WWE, basically. And, like, I knew TNA existed. But not much more than that. And And it was at the point... I stopped like I started watching wrestling like 2006. Uh, stopped about around like 2010 because it went out of TV, and then like start 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 watching again. I think it was like 2012, something like that, maybe. Yeah. So, but around 2013, I was like really getting into it as an adult. So I remember like the WrestleMania with like the Brian. Uh, the Brian Tower in the streak and stuff like that. That was like when I was like really, really, really getting into it. I was like the first one I watched on my own just because I wanted to do it and that's it. So around that time, that's when he uploaded the pictures. And that was like during the summer, I moved to Madrid. I used to live in like a small town. Yeah. I moved to Madrid. And they just happened to move to a different place so they have more spaces to run like sessions Mm -hmm. so i was like okay it's the summer i'm here in madrid i'm new here i'm bored (laughs) and i i I like wrestling i've always liked wrestling and it, it, it was always like something i wanted to do before i died yeah like obviously as a kid i imagine myself being Rey mysterio and (laughs) but like at the moment it was just like something I wanted to try and see how I did. And first session went great. And I've I've always been a guy that complains a lot about pain and stuff like that. So I didn't think I was going to be able to take it. Hmm. But I was. And apparently I was okay at that. So yeah, it got me got me going and I fell in love with it. <laughs> so did you pick it up straight away? Was it, was it, did, did you find it pretty easy to pick it up immediately? Apparently, yes. Like... I don't if I see myself now if I saw myself now yeah. I would not it it felt easy for me obviously there were some bits more difficult hmm. but let's say compared to the rest of the guys there were like two or three of us 
which got them like things down like easier than the rest. Yeah. So you like what, the fundamentals, like, though, right? Yeah, yeah. The fundamentals, like basically, when we just like farmed and did like few basic things, and you can notice, like I, I watch wrestling, so that's what we all say. Like if someone really watches wrestling at least know something and if you have like a bit of an athletic background or something like that it's probably going to be easy for you hmm. so um, how long had you been training before you had your, your first match in front of a crowd then that's funny it was like two months wow yeah because like at the point the talent wasn't great here i mean there were some good wrestlers but the roster depth it still isn't like amazing but there's more roster depth now but at the moment there wasn't and I was part of a stable, so it was like a six-man stable. Hmm. And we did a six versus six elimination match. So basically, you stay in the ring for like a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, were you always wrestling? Obviously, your original wrestling name was Adam Chase. Obviously, that's not very Spanish-sounding. Now, did you come up with that one then? Well, the thing is, like, that's not even my original wrestling name. My original wrestling name was given to me. It was Project A. So it was part of that stable I mentioned was called Project Rangers. Yeah. It was like a Power Rangers stable, basically. Wow. And they just gave me that name. And then they told me when I, when I like I turned heel, and they told me, okay, you need to get a name with that starts with an A. And, and it, I always wanted to like have an English sounding name, but something that could be pronounced in Spanish like easily. So Adam is something like, it doesn't have like weird, uh, how do you say it? Like sounds for Spanish, let's say. Yeah. It's like a Spanish people would, would say Adam mm. and that's okay. Like you can understand that. And I wanted to get something of Carlos in and Chase. I know it's like a nickname for Carlos in, in the States. Like it's not very common, but it's like a bit of a nickname. Yeah. I got that too. So, um, I mean, White Wolf's been around for a number of years now. Obviously, you've noted there they're based in Madrid. Um, they're only really starting to get noticed outside of Spain. I mean, what more can you tell us about the promotion? Because you're quite synonymous with that promotion now. Yeah, obviously. Um, well, the promotion's been running for nine years. I think that this is the ninth season. The beginning, they, the first two, three, four years, they run like six events a year, something like that, from two to six then they started doing like 10. So the last few seasons have been like 10 events per year or a bit more, depending if we did like, we once did Arnold Classic and we've done like comic um, events and stuff like that. But like main shows are usually like 10. We do once a month. And it's super fun show like every time because the, the shows are free shows because of the venue we run. Mm-hmm. So people just come and hang, like beer is one euro, drinks are one euro. So people, like, like at the beginning, they it was like, they were like White Wolf fans, not wrestling fans. Yeah, There were some wrestling fans, but there were like more White Wolf fans than wrestling fans. But now, like, these last few years, we've seen that turn a bit. So now we maybe have like 50-50 White Wolf and... White Wolf fans and wrestling fans, or maybe even more wrestling fans now. But yeah, and I, I don't know, like the the quality of the roster is improving. Basically, our shows get tagged every single time. Like, we, it's not a sold out because we don't sell tickets, but like 
we can't fit any any more people in our room. Mm. So we decided like we had to grow in Spain, but we, to grow in Spain we had to find a, a different venue. And we wanted to grow outside too. So the last few years like I've been a big part obviously of that expansion because like basically when I when we started resting outside when we started like projecting our, ourselves like outside of Spain I only did it because I knew Akit was really really good and he had to wrestle in the UK so it was like guys uh, we should like he had the match with Ricochet yeah and it was like I think he should really start resting outside if people want him and I think he's like at the level to do that yeah and at the, and at, the, at, the, at that time, I was starting to get good. Obviously, I was way behind him. But I think I was, like, good enough to hold my own. And, like, I've, I've worked in the music industry. So I had, like, experience with, like, dealing with emails and stuff like that, like, Primarily, negotiations. Yeah. So it was like, what do you think if we both go together, try to get bookings together? Because also, he's, like, very shy guy. Hmm. So it's like if the both of us go together, it's going to be easier for us. At least like the first couple trips and stuff like that. And they were like, okay, yeah, let's have a let's have a go. And well, here we are now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, just to go back there, I mean, you said that you wrestled as part of the uh, European leg of the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic in 2015. Yeah. I mean, how was that experience performing? I mean, I imagine that's quite uh, the circus at an event like that. That was that was great and it was super challenging for us because at the moment like we didn't have any experience outside so we didn't know how professional run their shows like to, just so you know for example like we we knew we always knew like the cards with like a month in advance or three weeks in advance we had one show a month so you know you you knew you had like one month to rest between match and match yeah something like that and that and during those days I think I had six matches in three days wow <laughs> yeah so it's like either two a day i think it was like one day i did one one day i did three and another day i did two so it was like super challenging for us because at the moment you expected to have one month to recover from a match yeah and you were like no you're having two hours <laughs> <laughs> you're doing another match so it was like the first the first glimpse that okay you need to work smart yeah and and it was it was great and like the last day i was wrestling sunday morning so imagine like i wasn't super excited to wrestle after five matches in two days (laughs) (laughs) and it was in the morning saturday we ended up late like not going out just like picking the stuff from the ring and working and everything and it was like oh my gosh so we had to wrestle and Arnold came in when I was wrestling. Wow. That match. Yeah. So it was like, all the, I don't want to wrestle anymore. Like, I didn't want to do it. It turned into like super hyped. Everybody just got together around the ring. Nobody gave a shit about the match and about the things that were going Sunday morning because we did a big tournament that ended like on Sunday, on Saturday. So Sunday were like just exhibition matches. Yeah. But then Arnold turned up and everybody just got together into the ring and. It was a super fun experience. I got to shake his hand. I have like a cool picture from that. Oh, wow. So did you get to see much of your match then? Yeah, basically the only match you saw was mine. So, and it was funny because like I was working here and like I I lost by like a roll up for schoolboys and like that. Mm. 
So I was getting super pissed, and then I just turned around and saw him there, and like I just smiled. <laughs> <laughs> like I just automatically lost control of it. <laughs> I was like, I was one year in. Like, if it, if that happened today, I probably would have been able to hold myself. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, I imagine a lot of people would be like that in front of such a big star. But um, I mean, anyway, I mean, your first big exposure outside of Spain. Uh, came in 2017 didn't it the chikara king of trios along with a kid and rod zayas you faced off against a uh, british strong style i mean how did this come about the first match outside of your home country you were naked the thing is like i had done like a couple of shows for london lucha leap those were like super minor shows yeah and then a kid and i had wrestled cck the month before on our first match as a tag team in wrestling league so, last weekend of July, we wrestled CCK, and that was like our first like UK experience. Like with talent, we knew they were gonna be a trios, and talent we knew they were like at other shows and stuff like that. And obviously, wrestling CCK was like, what the fuck? Why did they give us this match? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like that was our first experience. But like King of Trios was like our first big event, and obviously the match they gave us first round was unbelievable mm. and and yeah it was like super mind-blowing experience uh again like it was one of those experiences that changed your mind like changed your perspective about wrestling just seeing how big companies run seeing like the meetings seeing like mike's speeches just like how everybody prepared the matches how everybody like put thought into like the weekend long not just like the matches on their own it was like for us who were like just starting to work with pros and uh, like getting to work with some of the best pros in the world, basically. Yeah, that, that definitely. Like, Mind blowing. It was super cool. Performing at Chikara, did this open up more eyes to you, A Kid, and the Spanish scene as you've made more regular trips over to the UK, haven't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know if, if we didn't have that first round match and if it didn't go that well, or like if people didn't like it that much. Uh, how would have things been for us? Because like, even if we didn't like skyrocket straight away, we knew like fans, some fans knew, and like we stuck in on their minds. Hmm. So they had like special, and and like that weekend was special. So it's like special memory, and you identify those memories with like good times. Yeah. So some people like hold us dearly because of just because of that. And and yeah, like it helped. It helped a lot, basically. Like and also like we met a lot of talent. Yeah. So when we were at other shows, it was like okay, like we we didn't feel like that unknown. Even like obviously we we weren't friends with any of them, but we at least like knew each other. It was like okay, I'm now saying hello. I need to introduce myself for the fifth time. I know you're gonna yeah. <laughs> know who I am and stuff like that. And um, I mean, yeah. you made your progress debut last Christmas, didn't you, at their infamous snow show in Sheffield? I mean, were you already in the country for that one? Because a lot of wrestlers couldn't make the show due to uh, travel problems after the massive downfall of snow we had over here in the UK. Yeah, that, that was crazy. Like, that, that, that trip I did, I was going to spend 10 days in the UK just to do ring crew at different shows mm. and train at Fight Club during the week. And that was like the second to last day. Like I was leaving the following day, basically. And I had done like 
ring crew five times. I did like cockpit your call riptide. Uh, I don't know what else. Uh, trained oh uh, fight club. I did ring crew for fight club too. Uh, I trained three times at fight club during the week. Then like yeah, I were I did ring crew for ref your call the day before progress. I think it was yeah or two days before. And then like I was staying in London and caught a bus for five hours. And things like I remember them texting me like, "Hey, you need to come." Like, I've seen we've seen like the all the snow is happening and stuff like that. I was like, "No, I've got my bus ticket," and it says like the bus are, bus are working. I was like, "Oh, cool, bring your gear just in case." I was like, "Yeah, I was gonna do it anyway because I had to pick all my stuff." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I got there, it was like, so obviously, I knew some wrestlers. I had been training with Eddie Dennis in, in the summer. Uh, I wrestled CCK. So like I knew some of them, and I trained with some of the others during the week, stuff like that. And I and and they were like, I remember Eddie asking me like, "Did you bring your gear?" I was like, "Yeah, I did." It was like, "Oh, you might get lucky." And I was like, "Yeah, maybe I do." <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it was cool. Like, cause we we as I got there, like we were all like setting up chairs and everything, and then like three or four of us got to be on the card. So it was a super cool experience, and like especially having like a singles match with Richway. And having it like go that well, yeah, it, it went cool. really it well, like, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was like another big turning point in the career. Like I know some people to this day still only know me for that match, wow. and we've done like a lot of stuff and like a lot of like important companies. But there's some people to this day just only know me from from that match. Right. <laughs> yeah, because like you say, I mean, you've appeared for, you know, Progress a couple of times now, Red Pro, number of high-profile promotions in the UK. And um, and also recently, you changed um, your name from Adam Chase to Carlos Romo, as we noted at the start of the show. Um, what was the reason for changing your name um, this sort of like close into your career? Well, so the thing is, I was very scared about doing it. But like, there were some shows where people came to merch and asked us like, oh, where are you guys from? And it was like, the fact that you're asking me that question probably means I'm doing something wrong. Mm. In a world where like, we need to differentiate ourselves as much as we can. And us being Spanish, like the only Spanish wrestlers, like wrestling in the UK and wrestling outside of Spain, if we don't make something out of it, it was like stupid. It was like not using my cards. Yeah. But I was scared because, like, we have been wrestling in the UK for one year. We had done, like, some high-profile stuff, as you said. But there were, like, two super big influences that made me, like, take the step. Those were, like, Zack Sabre Jr. and Chris Brooks. We had Zack Sabre Jr. in Madrid. And and we've been, like, we've just kept contact from them. And, and I've kept contact with Chris. Obviously, like, I see him at a lot of shows, stuff like that. And they were like, you need to change your name. And I was like, but I'm so scared. I've done mm. stuff. And, stuff. and they were like, do it. It's all right. Like, people will still know you, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. You're gonna be, it's going to be better in the long run. And then I saw Niwa change his name. You know, Johnny Idol from CMLA. Yeah. And it was like, if you spent three years there in like a huge company and you've changed your name, I think I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I'm, and I'm doing Team White Wolf, so it's still like, it's still Team White Wolf. Mm. I'm just not, I'm chasing longer, I'm Carlos Romo, but it's still Team White Wolf, like people can find me easily. 
And yes, I just wanted to do it right with like a cool video and like new gear and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, was, it was a big step. It was a big step. So um, obviously a uh, few people listening to this interview uh, won't have managed to catch any of your stuff yet. I mean, what is a, what are, is a match that you think you'd recommend people to, to watch for a, a first taste of Carlos Romo? Well, I would say probably to, to see more stuff of myself it would be probably like the singles match with Richard Ray progress. Even though, like, I still watch it right now and I, and I cringe at myself at some bits. <laughs> <laughs> but, or maybe like the Jordan Devlin match uh, at White Wolf or the first one I had with A Kid, which was top one at White Wolf. Those ones were cool. Then we had like some tag matches. Obviously, like, the King of Trios is like big turning point in my career. So, like, us against British Strong Style was like. Something, something like I think people should see. Yeah. And then tag matches we've had a lot, but this one I really like was like us against more than hype at the TV. That was super cool. Like the matches we've had at OTT, they've all been great. Like we've had a lot of matches, and the, the things like there, there's not one that really stands out particularly for me. Yeah. But there are like a few that are cool. Like people really like the ones we, the one we had with Aussie Open at Attack. Yeah. At Winter Slam. I wish we could do it again. Like we did, we wrestled them at the Repro tapings, and that was super fun. I don't know if, if, like, if we had like a third encounter, we would kill it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Aussie Open have been uh, killing it all over the UK. So yeah, definitely, they like to see uh, you uh, four matched up again. And um, I mean. As we close up the interview, obviously you've seen you're appearing for more and more promotions. Uh, what plans do you have for the rest of 2018 into 2019? Well, like Aki and I just became head coaches for the White Wolf Academy. Yeah. So we want that to grow as much as we can. We want White Wolf to grow as much as we can, and we want like we don't we don't run White Wolf. They listen to us, but we don't run it. Mm. But we want for it to grow and like to make like super shows and stuff like that we'd like try to bring more imports in and try to like get a mix of our talent and uk and irish talent so people can like watch it and discover a wrestlers and still enjoy like a great show yeah and in terms of like individual goals it's just like wrestle as much as we can mm. become like first of all as good as we can as performers like there's like big room for improvement there will always be so that's like the first goal and then obviously like just rest as much as we can do as many important promotions as we can high profile shows get fans behind us like we just want like for the uk scene to see us as their own yeah as some as regular wrestlers not like spanish flyings but like for example, like the case of David Starr, he's not living in the UK, but people just take him as someone like that just regularly wrestles there. Hmm. That's how we want people to see us. Well, and how, how can people find out more about you? How can people follow uh, follow your career? Well, they can follow me on Twitter, it's Carlos Romo PW. Same on Instagram. Facebook is slash Carlos from OPW, but Facebook didn't change my name of the page. I'm working on that. Right. <laughs> so I'm still Adam Chase on Facebook. 
Excellent. Well, thanks for uh, joining us this week. Um, yeah, and obviously been enjoying watching your career so far, and uh, and obviously more to come in in the coming years. So thanks again for uh, taking the time to speak with us. No, it was a pleasure. Thanks very much. Hope you all like try to subscribe to What Will Fund Demand. It's like just three dollars, two pounds. Yeah, Check exactly. Out. Nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Less than a pint of beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thanks to Carlos taking the time to speak with us there. And as he noted there uh, in the interview at the end, White Wolf Wrestling On Demand is only uh, two, three pounds a month and definitely worth checking out, especially for uh, um, Carlos's match with Jordan Devlin. And uh, moving on to World of Sport now. And uh, the final episode uh, this past weekend, uh, final episode saw Grado and Davey Boy Smith Jr. beat Yestin Reese and Kip Sabian for the uh, WOS tag titles and uh, the big match of, uh, the, for the season finale was uh, Justin Sizem defeating Rampage Brown ending Rampage's reign of terror as Alex Shane <laughs> kept telling us and uh, winning the WOS heavyweight title and uh, I thought it was a, a pretty good match as far as the standard goes for uh, for World of Sport and that was the end of Series 1. They've got a UK tour featuring pretty much everyone from the series uh, in January. And, uh, I mean, what were your thoughts on this uh, final episode, Ollie, and uh, the series as a whole? Yeah, so obviously I haven't been, you know, eagerly watching <laughs> the shows over <laughs> the past few weeks. Uh, I watched the first three shows in full and then picked bits here and there from the rest of it. Um, but this one... Uh, obviously more focused on the in-ring. It only had two matches, which is something that we've we've been talking about for quite a while. But they should probably at least cut one match because mm. um, they were doing like four matches, one per segment, and it was all very rushed and all over the place. This time, just two matches with uh, the, the main event going across uh, two and a half segments, I believe. Um, so, and not really a lot of shenanigans going on backstage because this was the season finale and they want this is essentially just like the semi-main event and the main event of like an indie show um and it worked for for what it was um the the tag team match was very just there i mean (laughs) didn't really do too much for me other than just getting angry at dbs jr wearing the canada flag on his trunks despite (laughs) being the british bulldog (laughs) in this series um yeah (laughs) i don't know what's going on with with him in world of sport he's yeah (laughs) um but the main event, I thought I, I really enjoyed that. It had it had an energy to it. Um, Sizem has been built up across the series as, as as the guy to take the crown from Rampage, and this was them doing that. The match actually had time to breathe. It felt like there wasn't a camera cut every half a second. Um, so it was enjoyable, yeah. I know they throw it through every wrestling trope at the wall um, with referees going down and guys interfering and doing literally every single spot you'd expect um which i'll always remember when i watched the i think it was either the first or the second episode of my parents them saying that all that interference and mucking about with the referees actually made it feel less like real and legit and sort of took you out of the moment which i completely agree with but it doesn't stop every single wrestling company doing it (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah so it was very much you know wrestling for yamar and not for you if you're listening to this (laughs) i presume it's not really your cup of tea um but it was fun you know that match 
provided a good season finale and if you like the kids in the crowd especially were going mental for it so if you have been following it all 10 weeks that was certainly a strong finale for it and again they they put in the bumper um you've seen the show now go watch the the live product so you know they're certainly gonna be hyping hyping the tour and it made sense um so yeah certainly a lot of things to think about for series two and it looks like there is going to be a series two but if they're going to do a season finale like that where they actually let the matches breathe, I'm all for it. Yeah, I kind of think it's it's so hard. So for ITV World of Sports, isn't it? Because it's just everyone wanted it to to do well. And I don't think it pleases anybody. I, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, that's the stop, main problem. That's it. You know, it, we all kind of dismiss it and go, oh, well, it's not for us. Well, we're wrestling fans, so who's it for? I mean, they, they started this series with a million people. What was the peak? Was it 1.2 million they were saying were watching yeah, the first 1. show? 1.1, I think, wasn't it? 1.1. Yeah. We ended on the last show with 0.2 million. 200,000 people watched the finale. I mean, that's a disaster. That's 80% of the audience lost over 10 weeks. I mean, it's bad time slots. That's part of it. But it's just a bad product, um, and I don't think it was for anybody. Uh, and I think it's just yeah. been borne out by those ratings. I mean, just to say a positive, just to pick up a worries. Ali said, I do think that they did a good job of getting Justin Sizem over. Yeah, uh, he was somebody coming out of it. I think Sizem. Mm, he, he wasn't on my radar going in, really. Um, but you know, he, he's got the abs, he's got the face. He's just such a jolly, nice fella. You know, tapping <laughs> the ring announcer on the shoulder on the way out. Fans were re- like that. Main this main event was by maybe not by far it was close to the match of this the season there's a couple of osprey matches in there maybe pip for it but the fans were so into it and so into him they really did have something there i was lukewarm on rampage as the top heel throughout the season uh, i get why everyone respects him and why he's, he's such a good worker and everyone will say he deserves a position like this but maybe he's not as big enough personality for me to be in that position um although i do enjoy shaw samuels and juice running around and being the uh, the is two sidekicks i do enjoy that element of the presentation but yeah as a positive yeah they did they got justin sizem over there was there's wrestlers on this show that you know people might not have been aware of going in you know someone like an eastern rees or even a kip sabian who gets about but to be on tv is you know a big deal so there's lots of of wins there for the wrestlers. Hopefully they can charge more money and hopefully they get more bookings. But yeah, I, I just can't look at something that over 10 episodes lost that many people time slots, you know, given, uh, as a success really. Um, and it is, as Ollie said, quite surprising, uh, going forward that we're, we're expecting a season two. Yeah. It didn't really help with the time changes, did it? In moving from no. sort of like five mm. to four, so it's 4 PM <laughs> to two thirty, which, uh, which this, Last episode aired on Saturday, and um, yeah, so that can't help the ratings. And also, how much does the ratings take into account? So people watching it on on demand, or recording it on Sky Plus, or watching it in the many other forms that you can watch media these days. I mean, does it does it anything take into account for that? Do you know takes in in account the the overnight so it'll take i mean there'll be a seven day number as well that'll take into account vod watching that period it's never that big it's not as big as you'd expect maybe you know people watching it online maybe people we don't know the numbers for the replays do we so you know maybe there's there's comfort in there as well and yet the you know the, the time slots do make a difference too but i just think you put a put a good enough product on that at least a bigger proportion than did would would follow it around rather than 20 percent of people who watch the first one 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. And like you know, with their but I think it was good for the wrestlers, you know, uh, to get some more exposure. And certainly they they had a, a pretty decent roster, and it was good that um, you know they made uh, Sizem the the standout star of the series. But like you say, it all just seemed like a bit of a muddled mess in parts. And obviously the uh, quick cuts and stuff didn't really help with the, with matters, did it? Very confusing. No. But if sometimes if you look through the Twitter timeline when World of Sport are retweeting stuff, you know, there a lot of people were really into. It. So, uh, you know, some of those two hundred thousand people that were watching on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see how this how this tour does and what they do do for a second series. You know, like Ollie noted uh, earlier, you know, it, it was a lot better for this last episode uh, with mm-hmm. there just being two matches on there rather than yeah. loads of things thrown at you like they've done for the rest of the series. Yeah, people want to watch wrestling. <laughs> they don't want to <laughs> muck around, and they you know they want to see a good match, and that's what they got in this episode. So. Mm. I think that's certainly food for four. Obviously, not every episode should have like a match that long. It was certainly, obviously, a, a season finale special. But you know, you, you, I know, I know you're paying Stu Bennett a lot of money, but you don't need him in the ring every five minutes <laughs> talking about what's about to happen. Just do it. You know, you don't have to be WWE. That's the big draw for season two, though, isn't it? Him taking out Rampage. Maybe we'll get Stu <laughs> Bennett back in the ring. I don't with, know, his how, finisher, how much... with his old finisher as well. <laughs> yeah, the bull hammer elbow. I suppose there's that. Uh, yeah, I just think, yeah, I think that there's places you can go with the season two. There's lessons you can learn. And yeah, like you said there, Martin, I think a big lesson will be to learn from this finale. Because it did work as an episode. The fact that it was, was just a couple of things concentrated on. Uh, I wouldn't go... I mean, I, I do think, you know, the matches are important. But I, I also would emphasize, you know, that the character pieces course, that yeah. you could put in in a one hour show and not have four matches, just have two matches and a bit more character or three matches and a bit more character. Let's just hope that, yeah, they've uh, maybe been listening to some of the critique and uh, <laughs> I'm sure people behind the production probably are feeling it themselves as well. They put all 10 episodes in the can at once. It's hard to learn lessons that way, isn't it? Uh, I'm sure if they, and it does look like they're going to get a season two, uh, they'll be able to put at least some of those things right. So moving away from the UK now and on to Germany, and uh, a lot has been happening in the uh, promotion WXW. I mean, they've got one of their biggest events of the year, the World Tag League, happening this weekend. Uh, but before we get into that, they issued a press release uh, this week stating that managing director Christian Michael Jacoby is suffering from burnout and he'll be taking an undisclosed amount of time away from the company and they also announced that they'll be cancelling their weekly wrestling show Shotgun and CMJ also put a statement on his Twitter saying that it was a very challenging situation for him and that people should continue to support WXW and this is a huge blow for the company here Ali since he's such a big part of the organisation. Yeah, obviously, CMJ, the the face of WXW, management, certainly. Um, but I think the crucial thing to think about is that he's not the only guy behind the scenes. It's not like a, a just free mate situation. They've got, you know, a whole organization and um, I think double digit full time employees now. So, yeah, losing the head is certainly, you know, it, it's it, it's fairly emotional, to be honest. And obviously losing shotgun um, the final episode going up tonight as we record, I'm going to be pouring one out for that. Um, it is the end of you after all we've been through, um, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think the important thing to note is they still have Tass. They still have you know, Dennis Birkendahl on on the uh, the production side of things and Katya Pills, who runs the, um, like the, the video side and uh, filming the shows and making them run. So they still have a lot of people 
doing their jobs basically <laughs> and you know they don't need Yakobi there to still run the same operation but yeah obviously it will mean changes coming and it seems like a good time to make those changes with World Tag Team League happening this weekend the the joint most wonderful time of the year with 16 Carat um and obviously the biggest change is the end of Weekly Shotgun um you know they're sort of billing it as the last ever episode tonight but there is going to be they're filming like a, a Shotgun XXL over Tag League um, on the Sunday. And, you know, they've sort of teased that they may do special shotguns occasionally, but it seems like what they're essentially doing is changing those shotgun taping dates to sort of road to shows um, and cancelling one of them outright. But I think three of, three of the other ones are changing to like road to Broken Rules, road to 18th anniversary shows. So... I'm not sure what the situation is going to be regarding like how they record the content, whether they're going to go as in on, on all the character stuff that they've been doing in the statement. They've said um, fans have stressed again and again, how important our approach of storytelling pro wrestling implemented by us for many years is to them. Although shotgun is discontinued and replaced with a higher number of WXW now feature events. They are continuing the favored and established elements of shotgun, but also include more action top class matches so it seems like they're going to be doing more of these secondary shows leading up to their marquee events, as they call them, with all the special graphics and the big, big imports coming in. Uh, so we'll have to see how that affects the promotion over time. Um, and yeah, it's <laughs> certainly for me, losing Shotgun is fairly emotional because, you know, it, it as a weekly show, it was something to look forward to. You know, during difficult weeks, during stressful weeks, it was something that, you knew was going to be there and you know would relax you and was something to look forward to um so yeah it's certainly you know for, for the diehards of the diehard shotgun fans it is a big blow um and world tag team league is a good chance to sort of reset the plate um and obviously we'll be running through that in a minute now um but yeah it's certainly an interesting time for them and sort of cmj especially with this run with Ilya in progress became a more higher presence guy in WXW. Um, but I don't think too much will change behind the scenes without him because, as I say, they have so many people just yeah. focusing on what they're doing. And it's it's more sectionalized. There's not one guy doing the editing, one like doing everything. Um, mm. Like in other promotions, it is, it's yeah. more well-rounded than that. Yeah, that's the impression I got. I mean, Carrot this year was my obvious first trip out to WXW. And just to, to see the... The scale of, of what's going on you know you've got uh, Patrick who's our media contact out, out there and then all kinds of staff running around who are I mean it, it is very much you can tell CMJ is the man in charge you know is his press conference that he gave on the last day to the media that's going to be missed from from this year going, going over to tag league and just again you know he's obviously such a big part of what's what makes wxw what it is but there's so many people there like ollie said even just you know you stand up on the balcony at, in oberhausen and you just see the amount of people doing production and and making sure you know everything looks right and getting the vod together and there's a there's a whole crew of people over there isn't there who do incredible work uh and yeah while it's 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 clearly a big blow as well uh it does sound like the the team are gonna are gonna rally uh 
Um, and I'm, I'm still expecting uh, Tagli to be an incredible weekend. And uh, I'd expect, you know, although, yeah, it's a big loss for, for Shotgun not to be there anymore. What's what's going to happen to the Shotgun Championship or uh, Mario Salani? I don't know if they'll, <laughs> they'll keep that around or give it a new name or what. Um, it's certainly a big loss and it's certainly a bit shocking going into the big weekend. But, yeah, I, I trust uh, the staff that are left behind and the roster that's left behind to, to hopefully uh, not miss a beat. So, uh, Will, Tag League, uh, as we've noted there a couple of times, going to take it in place this weekend over four days. And, uh, Benno, you're going there live. But, uh, Oli, you've got a preview of, sort of some of the highlights uh, of this weekend for us. Of course. Um, so, it wouldn't be World Tag Team League without the World Tag Team League matches and groups. So, I think it's probably logical to start with running down Group A and Group B. Um, group A is more of a dream match uh, group, while Group B is maybe more of a story-based one. Uh, but we'll run down the names, see what we think of them. Uh, you got the defending champ, not, not defending Tag Team Champions, but the defending WTTL Champions, uh, Walter and Tim Thatcher, Ringkampf. You got uh, Chris Brooks and Jonathan Gresham, CCK. Uh, you got the Lucha Brothers, Penta, Penta, and Ray Phoenix, and also the Big Japan Boys in Daichi Hashimoto and Hideyoshi Kamatani. Very excited for them to be going against <laughs> some of these teams. Um, and yeah, all of those matchups that they'll be going against each other. It's essentially like a Champions League group, um, or maybe more like a World Cup group because they don't face each other twice, only mm-hmm. once. Um, but yeah, they they face each of the teams in their group over the course of the three days, and the winning team in the group goes on to the final on that third day. So the winning team has to win two matches on the final night. Um, it, it always is a dramatic setup. Um, and Group B, you got JFK, Jay Skillet, and Francis Caspin, the cocky grubby heels. <laughs> um, you know, last time we were over there, they were handsome fun-loving baby faces and they've turned into right dickwads <laughs> since um monster consulting the defending tag team champions julian nero and avalanche of course nero teaming up with the one and only benno in the oberhausen open as well <laughs> a, a, a far bigger tag uh <laughs> tag team there. yeah they're seeing the bowling tournament and i'm terrible at bowling so i'm gonna apologize in advance Sorry, Ben, I'm putting my uh, money on Brother Mo and uh, Mark Davis on that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> but you've got the power of Davis there and, uh, and just and just Mort, so yeah, I can I can believe that. <laughs> and you've also got Aussie Open, the aforementioned Davis and Kyle Fletcher in Group B, as well as Angelico and Jeff Cobb. Um, so yeah, all-star lineup of tag teams, and they've really gone all out this year in trying to make World Tag Team League as significant as 16 Carat, which it did feel like last year. Um in terms of the actual tournament matches, but maybe not so much in terms of the non-tournament matches. There was a fair bit of filler on a couple of the nights there. This year, not at all. They've really <laughs> they've gone all out in trying to make sure that the non-tournament matches feel just as significant. There's obviously three really well-built-up matches, one on each night. On night one, you've got the hair versus hair matchup between Jörn Simmons and David Starr, which they've been holding off on for a while. Not through... Um, intentions but because of Jörn Simmons getting injured this has sort of turned into a, a year in the making matchup um both men have luscious locks <laughs> um someone's gonna get shaved and I don't really know which way they're gonna go with that um but yeah it's obviously been a big part of WXW Simmons and Star for for a long long time as friends and then rivals so we will see where that one goes 
Um, on night three, just to skip ahead, they've got the, uh, the other big grudge match of the weekend, Lucky Kid versus Tarkan Aslan, after Aslan betrayed Lucky Kid um, at Shortcut to the Top. Uh, a lot has happened since <laughs> since Rise imploded in such a dramatic manner. Um, obviously, Aslan slapping the, the ninja patch on Pete Bouncer, knocking him out cold, which was one of the, the greatest moments in shotgun history, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, because it was so ridiculous, but so brilliant as well. Um, and obviously Aslan aligning with the, the new shotgun champion, Marius Alani. Um, and now this isn't going to be a wrestling match. They're going to just brawl and destroy each other. And it will certainly be a big payoff for people who have been watching shotgun. And I guess a big payoff for shotgun itself. And this has kind of been the matchup they've been building through Shotgun so much. Um, I guess this is as good a way to round out that sort of way of telling pro wrestling as there is. Um, I'm sure that's going to be very dramatic on the final night. Um, but also, night two, as is tradition, the, the unified world wrestling title match. Absolute Andy versus Bobby Guns versus Ilya Dragunov. Three gigantic personalities um, who have all been spinning off in different directions. Uh, now collide for the title um and it's certainly an interesting one i don't think it's andy's time just yet to lose the title he's still in the midst of uh, of an absolutely fascinating run where he's been sort of getting to rick flair levels of <laughs> um, <laughs> just annoying crappy heel champion who you just want to get see beaten but he keeps sneaking his way through using the veteran instincts but they like openly admit that he's not as athletic as the guys he's competing against, but he has the smarts and he has just the the low brows way the low brow ways of winning that keep him as champion and it has been fascinating. And obviously Bobby Gunn's winner of the shortcut to the top. Um he's been on a mega push this year. Um and it will certainly be interesting to see him mix up for this title for the very first time. And then you got Dragonov as well, who's a bit out on an island because he's lost to Andy a couple of times. He's like self-admitted that he's like stressed out and <laughs> not 100 percent. and i think i don't think they're going to be turning him heel but they may be changing up his character slightly here um because of the way they've been building up to this match he's not no longer unbesiegable really or he's starting to doubt himself a bit so i could see him doing something a little bit different with dragonov rather than just being mr inspirational quotes man as he has been <laughs> um and as well as all those like big matchups that they've been building to they've also got um, a hell of a women's card running throughout the weekend. Obviously, Femme Fatales, which is um, analogous to um, Ambition from 16 Carat. It's sort of the sub show on Saturday. They've got a big tournament there. Um, and the eight women involved in that Lou Fisto versus Tony Storm, Audrey Bride versus Millie McKenzie, Killer Kelly versus Chris Wolf, and the big one, <laughs> Mako Satomura versus Vesna, which I think everybody who yeah. will see that live will be in for a treat. Um, but also, casually, they've just thrown out Mako Satomura versus Tony Storm <laughs> on night one, which really, really loads up that card. you got Tony Storm versus Vesna on night two, and then Vesna versus Lou Fisto on night three. So they've really gone all out in trying to push big women's matches on the World Tag Team League cards. And then also, they've got a great selection of female talent on Femme Fatales. So that will certainly be an interesting thing to watch out for throughout the weekend. Um yeah, <laughs> and that's basically the whole card. You've got some shotgun stuff in there as well. Maris Alani will face the winner of a four-way between Lucky Kid, Fred Yehai, Emil Satochi, and Julian Pace, which they've been building to um, through Fred Yehai 
pissing in a bush <laughs> and other things, but that was the highlight for me. Um, that is the loaded weekend. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the main thing that jumps out after that fantastic uh, sort of like rundown you've just given us is the amount of variety that you're going to have that weekend. You've got tag teams mm. coming from all over the world. You've got the you know WXW storylines with all their homegrown guys. You've got this massive array of great female talent and then a whole load more on top of that. I mean, Benno, this is uh, certainly going to be a packed weekend for you. Definitely. I mean, I can't wait. It's not going to be the same without you out there, Ollie, but yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. I mean, I, Carrot, I think the, the, the Biden thing for me at Carrot was, okay, there's this tournament going on, but also the fact that they, they managed to tie in, you know, big feuds and there's always, there's big matches going on throughout the weekends. Like here with the, you know, we've got the Tag League, which on its own would be enough to, yeah. to convince <laughs> me to think, oh, I'm going to go out there. But yeah, when, you know, then they've got, you keep like the big tent pole matches as well for night one, David Starr and Yan Simmons. I can't wait for that one. I think it's got to be David Starr who's losing his hair. He's already losing it a little bit on top. <laughs> uh, he's probably got more on the, he's got, he's got lots on the rest of his body, but if it looks like, I don't know, I could see with his, maybe with his move over to England, uh, maybe he's also thinking of a, a new look as well. Uh, so I could see that going that way, but yeah, that feels really heated. Getting to, I mean, after being a carrot and I mean, the, the two, people uh, i came away talking about most one was bobby guns just because of how over he got with the irish contingents and just the traveling fans and just just how great he was as that just cocky just cool um shotgun champion to to see now to, to come and travel again and see him in a tag league now being in the unified world title pitcher um, and also, absolute Andy, the other man that a lot of people have been were talking about coming out of that weekend. He, you know, going into Carrot, he was not someone that anyone expected to 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 win that thing. He then won it, and then yeah, as Ollie said, his work as champion. I've been dipping in and out of shotgun episodes, but that promo that he cut, I think they put it up for free on Twitter, where he was talking about uh, how. He's, he's kind of basically telling a fable about how yeah. you know, a rich man walking on water and just just it's got to be seen to be believed just a, a classic wrestling promo that he's got in him and he's just got this you know the gimmick is that he's the veteran and he's every bit that and like ollie said you know he's not he's not your work rate wrestler and they make no bones about the fact that that's not who he is he's there to to cheat his way and to be the the wise one who who manages to hold on to his title it's great to see him yeah be, being here now uh, as champion and uh, and defending in this match and yeah it, that that's another you know big tempo match on night two there's just yeah so much going on over this weekend uh that yeah i mean I, i'm going i'm going out there and i expect i'll be doing carrots again next year and yeah if we weren't raving enough after carrots I'm sure I'll be raving after after tag league and seeing some of those combos, seeing the the Lucha brothers in the in the in the tag block. The fact that I think they were supposed to be a carrot, weren't they? And that didn't happen. Yeah. Great to see them them finally here. There's so many that block. Eh? like Ollie said, CCK in there, Ring Camp in there, and uh, never mind Okami. It's just going to be. Uh, incredible and yeah I'd, I'd recommend anybody uh you know it's a bit late now to make it out for tag league but yeah hopefully uh, some more people will, uh, will join us for carrot next year as well no and it'll be certainly be on the demand in a quick uh time next week and uh yeah look forward to uh, hearing your report when you when you get back benno but um i mean moving on to some uh, small news items before we head out of here free sports announced that red pro uh their tv show start airing on the 19th of october this is a Going to air weekly on Friday nights. I mean, a decent slot here for Red Pro Benno on a Friday night. 
Yeah, that that works. I mean, I'm to be honest, the, the night wasn't so much my concern. It was are they going to make them do three hours? We knew it wasn't <laughs> going to be live, but I was so glad when they, when the tapings happened and it was just a an hour show. Uh, yeah, one hour on a Friday night. Sign me up for it. Um, might be a little bit a bit out of date by the time we review it on our show on a Wednesday, sadly. But mm. yeah, I think it's uh, it's a good slot for them. Uh, free sports is. Maybe one of those channels that's everywhere. You can get it on pretty much every platform, but most people don't know they've got it. Uh, that's the one thing going against it. Uh, but yeah, a great slot for them. And uh, it'd be interesting to see. I heard lots of, I mean, it, I believe the tapings were very long, but yeah. I heard nothing but good things about the content, at least, uh, apart from the people moaning that there, were, there weren't uh, any women's matches there. Hopefully there'll be some of that for the, the second lot of tapings to, to quiet some of that. Uh, but all in all, yeah, I'm quite excited for it and interested what the uh, the Rev Pro vision is of a, a weekly one-hour TV show. Um, I think it's uh, it's going to be quite exciting, and I, I'm expecting it to be a lot better than uh, what Five Star were offering on Free Sports. Well, you definitely hope so. And uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, Fight Club Pro now, they announced uh, their Project Mayhem show this past weekend that they'll be running Karakan Hall in Japan on the 7th of January. I mean, this is huge news for them, Molly, and, and You'll be over in Japan around this time, won't you? Yeah, exactly. All, all, all the pressure in on, on uh, to try and twist my girlfriend's arm and attend Fight Club Pro. <laughs> try and convince her that somehow going to see this British promotion is somehow a big deal in Japan. But yeah, it's it's certainly interesting news. Uh, the connection to Mako Satomura bringing about this Japanese show. Um, and yeah, I, it's going to be really weird and interesting to see how this vibes i guess seeing mm. if they're gonna be running trying to run like authentic brit rest in japan or if it's gonna be more uh, of like a japanese pure environment i really don't know what to expect but i do want to be there <laughs> <laughs> uh you know with mako and probably the strong hearts are gonna be there as well um you know those are two acts i definitely want to see in japan when i'm over there so this seems like a great place um and hopefully they do I mean, certainly after this weekend, it seems like the the money match in Fight Club Pro right now is Schadenfreude versus Strong Hearts, preferably in a in a Dragon Gate style elimination match. That would be <laughs> I'm fantasy booking here, but that would be absolutely killer to see any combination of those guys going four on four or five on five elimination, um, and that would be also be very authentically Fight Club Pro. I feel um, so, yeah. It's it's certainly a weird but significant announcement to come across, and also accidentally, uh, I'll be there <laughs> in Japan in Tokyo at the time they're running that. So we'll see if I can get in the building. <laughs> I suppose what's interesting coming out of that is um, how many of the British guys will be flying over, because obviously you've yeah, got to take into account visas, etc., etc., all the problems of uh, working in another country. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what Fight Club Pro names do it out there. And um and just before we head out of here, uh, our and finally story, uh, British MMA fans uh, were left pretty furious this past Saturday after staying up all night to watch the live broadcast of Bellator 206 and the main event of uh, Gerald Musasis taking on Roy McDonald was cut at 6am to uh, show an episode of children's TV show Peppa Pig and Obviously, fans were raging about this online, uh, but Channel 5 is one of the major networks over here. Pretty much had no choice. Ofcom, the regulator of TV and other media in the UK, is a very strict watershed or separating a program suitable for children and those with more adult content from 9pm at night until 5.30 in the morning. So essentially, 
you can't show anything with violent graphic imagery such as an MMA event at 5.30am. So Channel 5 were already over the boundary by around half an hour. And if they continued to show Bellator, they would have had uh, some strict action from Ofcom, maybe even a fine and some very bad publicity and uh, some very angry parents, I imagine. But uh, still a pretty funny story, uh, Benno. Yeah, it's kind of, it's just that the problem is that the show's on so late, isn't it? That it's it's always a risk it's going to happen. I've definitely, I've watched UFC shows before where it's gone that late that it's got to, you know, 5.30, 6 in the morning. And yeah, people are starting to get out of bed. Kids are up wanting to watch uh, Pepper the Pig as, as I heard Dave Meltzer trying to get his head around <laughs> who that was. Uh, but yeah, it's happened to UFC as well. And there's been, I think it might have been Connor. I can't remember exactly who it was, but cutting pro, you know sweary promos at the at the end of a fight, and BT Sports had to go completely silent because they were <laughs> they were scared because it was morning time and they were expecting a, a whole load of complaints. Uh, yeah, it's just a it's a quirk of, of our system, but also just a quirk of the fact that yeah these shows are, are on so late UK time, and yeah you know we started the show talking about progress running late. Uh, this is uh, MMA going late as well with uh, even more drastic consequences i believe uh, bellator have said they're gonna have shorter cards and they're gonna make sure that this uh, this doesn't happen again uh because yeah it wasn't a good look and i'd be fuming if i if you imagine if you'd stayed up all night and, six and never mind yeah. me yeah never <laughs> mind me having to travel back to liverpool from wembley and missing the main event staying up all night and then as the main event's about to come on pet Pepper Pig starts. You'd be absolutely <laughs> fuming. Uh, so yeah, definitely heart goes out to it if any of our listeners were, uh, were caught in that moment. And uh, be sure to head over to postwrestling.com, check out all the rest of the shows. John and Way have got an Instagram contest to win a copy of the new book, Creating the Mania, and inside look at how WrestleMania came to life. So uh, be sure to enter that if you want to win a copy of that book. And of course, the Post Wrestling Forum, leave us all your feedback for this week's show. And thanks for listening. We'll be back on the 17th of October with all the latest from the British, Irish, and German wrestling scenes.